0: Connect with us at mvfcolorado.com. Now, stay tuned for this week's message. Today we are continuing in our series, I Am. As you can tell, there's a theme that's been going through all of our music and and our readings today. Uh, We uh, talked a couple of weeks ago about this idea. Pastor Tim came up and he shared with you. If you look back there toward the bottom of the M there, he shared with you how Jesus was the bread of life. And then last week, Pastor Ryan got up and spoke about Him being the light of the world. And I have the honor today to be able to talk about how He is the gate. And so if you would grab the Word of God, head over to John chapter 10 this morning. We're going to be in the first 10 verses of that. Uh, As you head over there, I just want to thank all of you for allowing my wife and I to get away just for a little bit. We took off, uh, not that you really care about all this, but I feel like I owe a a count to you. Uh, We took off and went to Mississippi to visit family. Uh, We had a lot of our family gathering back in Mississippi at... My wife's uh, family owns a farm down there, and they all gathered there. And so we decided it would be a good time for all of us to go back and see them. And so we did that. And, and uh, not to get into a long story, but one of the things that we do while we're back there is we, of course, go to several different churches because our family members go to different churches. And last Sunday, this, this very time, I was sitting in a backwoods um, country church, uh, a little bitty thing. I mean, you, you got to know where it's at to find it. And I, I have to just share with you what God laid on my heart last week. As, as I was sitting uh, worshiping and listening and studying along with this, this group of people, uh, it struck me how passionate they were about Jesus. Uh, the pastor got up and he spoke, and, and uh, he spoke for, gosh, probably an hour. Um, I'm not going to do that to you today, okay? But I'll just tell you, he, he, there were moments in that, that message that I can tell you, um, I could tell that he had poured his heart out before God, had been praying about what God wanted him to say that morning, and he was just laying it on the line. He was just bringing the word of God to his people, and the people came in ready to worship like, I loved being in that environment because I was looking around, and you could tell everybody there was excited to be there because they wanted to be there to worship together, to dive into the Word of God together. They were, they were like, just feed me. I want to know what is it that God desires for me. And they were chasing after God with everything that they had. They had a baptism that morning. There were just so many cool things that were going on that morning in this, this church. And I, the last time we were there, it had doubled since the last time we were there, it was growing. God's presence was in that service that morning, 1,300 miles away. Um, And I started to wonder, is that MVF? Is that us? Like, do we come in passionate about Jesus? Do we come in, we can't wait to come together to praise his name, to open up his word? Do I spend time fasting and praying about the message and what I'm going to bring you? And, and is it having an impact or are we excited about what God is teaching us? Is that us? If, if we were a new person walking in this morning, would you have experienced that in our worship this morning? Like you would have had to leave going, God was there. Is that us? I hope so. I hope that, that people are experiencing in here kind of what's going on around the country right now. I don't know if you're aware, but... Uh, Asbury and and some of these other places, it's spreading. It's been at LSU and and now Baylor and places like that. We're seeing revival break out. People are turning their hearts back to God in our country, like in our nation. And I love the fact that it's happening um, in the very place that has spent so much time removing God on our college campuses, on on our universities. I think that's appropriate. And say what you want about the revival. I know there's a lot of critics out there. I'm not going to criticize it at all. I think it's amazing what's happening. I'm praying that God is in the middle of it. I believe he is because it's being led from a humble heart. It's being led by the next generation. It's not us old folks. It's these young people that that have decided this enough is enough. It's time that we get serious about our faith in God. And And it's all being done through prayer and through worship. Let me ask you, could that happen here? I I was hoping you would say that. Uh, Because I have a bit of truth to drop on you this morning. The same Holy Spirit that is working in those hearts, in those areas, is the same Holy Spirit that is alive in you. I wonder sometimes if it's not the fact that the Holy Spirit finally moved. I think more accurately, it would be that the Holy Spirit found some people that were willing to be used by him. They were willing to allow him to lead. Now, I believe God is moving. I do. And I believe he's moving here. I see it. I see it every week. I hear it in the stories. that You're telling me things. I know God is moving. Uh, he's looking for people who are ready to partner with him in the work that he's doing already. Um, you heard about it already uh, from Gary and Jerry. What's going on in Bolivia? I love the fact that we don't have a God that's, that's locked within some geographical area. Like he's working this morning all around the globe. There are people just like you worshiping in other churches, praising the same God. Um, today, I get to talk to you about Jesus is the gate. Um, we started this series, and the question was, what are the I Am statements, and why is it important for us to know these I Am statements? And uh, you've heard this already, but I just want to... I want to go over it one more time, just kind of debrief this. But uh, these I am statements are so important for us to know because, first of all, they reveal Christ alone is the fulfillment, the perfection, completion of the Old Testament prophecy. If you don't know this, all of Scripture is tied together. The theme runs all the way through it. Everything that you read in the Old Testament was pointing you to Jesus. And then when we get to the New Testament, it tells us about Jesus. Every bit of it. Uh, Secondly, it... uh, the statements reveal Christ alone can satisfy every longing, heart of, the, uh, every longing of the human heart. Are, are you hurting this morning? Are you looking for truth? Are you, are you missing something this morning? Do you, do you not have purpose in your life? Jesus is the answer. Are you lost? Jesus is the answer. Are you in pain? Are you hurting? Jesus is the answer. The I am statements reveal Christ more fully so that we might respond appropriately in deeper worship. I hope that's what happened already this morning. I hope that's what's happening right now, is that we're just here to meet with God. We're allowing God to move and work on us. Uh, John 10, let's jump into this. This is where we get this statement. John 10 is uh, red letters. Jesus is speaking here, and, and it starts off by saying this, I tell you the truth. Anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. Those who heard Jesus use this illustration didn't understand what he meant, so he explained it to them. I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who come before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Twice he says it. Those who come in through me will be saved, they will come and go freely and will find good pasture. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Uh, There's sometimes when we read texts on a Sunday morning like this that you actually have to go, what does that mean? Like we got to dive into it and go deep to figure it out. Uh, This is not that text. This is straightforward. Jesus just comes out and says it the way it should be said. He says, I am the gate. And some of your translations, that, that original word could be translated into door. So some of your translations say door. It's the same. It works the same way. Jesus said, I am the gate. I am the door. You have to go through me for salvation. And he, the illustration that he uses is a flock of sheep within a sheepfold or a sheep pen. Now, years and years ago, shepherds would take their sheep, and and just as it was coming to nightfall, they would take them and and push them into a depression in the hill, or uh, if they didn't have anything, it was open, and they would build something like what you see on the screen, maybe out of rock, maybe out of branches, whatever it is, and, and they would push their sheep. They would lead them into that area. And then what would happen is usually the shepherd would sleep in that doorway. He would become the gate. And the people that were standing there that day heard Jesus say, I am the gate or I am the door. They knew exactly what he was talking about. And shepherds did that for a couple of reasons. First of all, to keep anything out that shouldn't be in and to keep anything in that shouldn't be out. That's what they did. It protected the flock. And he says, uh, I tell you the truth, anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold, rather than going through the gate, must surely be a thief and a robber. What is, the, who, who's he talking about? What's he talking about? Well, I'd say anyone or anything other than Jesus. Anyone or anything that tries to, as we read in verse 10, tries to steal and kill and destroy and you and I, I think, can, can internalize this a little bit because there are things that you've allowed in your life that took the place of Jesus Christ that you pursued instead of his will for your life that ended up stealing, killing, and destroying. So for you, what is it? You can fill in the blank, and it might be multiple things for you depending on how many years you have on you, right? Anything other than Jesus now, the thing about this that I love, this illustration that Jesus uses that I think is so accurate, is it refers to you and me as sheep. Uh, we're just dumb sheep, dumb, smelly animals that get themselves in trouble all the time, and we do some stupid stuff. I saw this video, and I'm like, yep, this is us, man. This is exactly the way you and I act all the time. Anyone relate to that? Yeah, that's That's us. I want you to just keep that in your mind as you read through Scripture and you see, I'm a sheep. Yep, that's me, right? Because this is what we do. But yet, in the midst of that, because we're like that, Jesus says, I am the gate. I love that because we need that. Because sometimes um, the trouble that we bring on in our lives, we do it ourselves, don't we? Like it's decisions that we've made. We put ourselves in a bad position, a bad place. We're at the wrong place at the wrong time is the way we say it a lot of times, right? And we do it to ourselves, and we cause all kinds of problems. We, we go outside of the sheepfold. We walk away from the flock, and we find ourselves in a lot of trouble. Now, a lot of the sin and heartache and suffering that we experience in life, let's be honest, is because of some of the decisions that we made, right? We put ourselves in, in a bad position. But what I love about his illustration here is it also says that sometimes we're attacked and we don't really even understand it. We don't know why. Like, we didn't ask for it. We didn't put ourselves in a bad place. It just happened, happened. And one of the things that you see in Scripture so often is false doctrine. Tim talked about this in week one when he was talking about the bread of life, the fact that this world sells us so much doctrine and we think it's biblical. Like, it sounds good, Right? You gotta go find yourself. If you if you really wanna know who you are, look inward, right? All of this junk that this world sells us, false doctrine of the world, do what makes you feel right and it causes pain and sorrow in our lives. Another thing about that though is sometimes it's not just false doctrine, but it's false teachers and false prophets. We're listening to the wrong people. And actually, we're warned over and over and over again in in Scripture about that, that we're supposed to be on alert. Uh, Matthew 7 is an example. Verse 15, it says, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Sometimes we do it to ourselves. Sometimes we, we are listening to the wrong people. I would say those thieves and robbers are anything other than the gate, other than Jesus, that's come to steal, kill, and destroy in our lives. But in verse two, it says, the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. Now, who is the shepherd? That's Jesus, right? Now, we're gonna talk more about that next week, so I don't wanna get off on that. Uh, Continuing in verse three, it says, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him. The sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, get this, he walks ahead of them and they follow him because they, what? They know his voice. Um, there was a video that came out here just recently that I loved. It, it was a bunch of tourists, I think, and they were standing on the edge of a field. There's a fence there. You can see a whole flock of sheep out there. And, and he's letting all of the, the tourists kind of call to the sheep, trying to call the sheep to them. And one by one, they go down, and they're trying to call them, and it's not working. They just can't. And he's even telling them what to say. They're saying it, but they're not listening to any of them. And then the true shepherd steps up, and it was so fascinating in the video because he, he says one thing and all of the sheep lifted their head and turned. And then he begins to call them and here they come. They come running down the hill. Why? The other people said the exact same thing because they recognized his voice. It says the sheep follow him because they know his voice. Verse five, they won't follow a stranger. They'll run from him because they don't know his voice. So let me just ask the... Um, the obvious question here: Can you distinguish between God's voice and all the other voices in this world competing for your attention? Can you do that? Are you having trouble hearing His voice? In Jesus' explanation in verse eight, he says, "All who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them, the true sheep. the ones that knew the voice of the shepherd." So if you're struggling today with that, if you're just like, I don't, I don't know if I can discern God's voice, then, then how do we train our hearts and ears to be able to hear God's voice, to tune out what is false, the false doctrine, false teachers, false prophets? How do we tune in to the truth, the one true shepherd? Well, I think there's several things we can do. First of all, we can get into the Word of God. We can begin to read. We can begin to study the Word of God, which is what we're doing right now. This is a good step of being able to discern the voice of God. We can spend time in prayer. I even put listening up there because I think one of the things that we do wrong is something called listening prayer. You know, We're good at prayer. God, I need this. Would you provide that? And a new car wouldn't be too bad, right? And then we forget to stop and listen for God's response. But listening prayer is an important way to train our hearts and ears to be able to understand what God desires. Also, worship. Like when we come in here on a Sunday morning, did you come in here expecting to meet God, expecting to hear his voice, or is this just one of those things that we just mark off for the week? Big difference, right? If we come in truly worshiping, and you're gonna hear it in the video here in a minute, God will meet us where we're at, and he'll give you direction. Um, fasting. As I'm getting older, fasting is becoming one of my favorite spiritual disciplines. I know it doesn't look like it, but I fasting is one of those things where Uh, Man, I I so quickly can tune in to God um, when I block out other stuff and just dedicate time toward Him. Uh, Being discipled. We ask this question all the time who's discipling you and who are you discipling? And you've got to be able to answer those questions. You have to because it will help you to be able to discern His voice. Uh, And then, of course, being in community. You need to be in community with other believers, fostering those in relationships. Life groups are important. The problem is we start off our days on our cell phones and not on our knees. The problem is we spend our days in isolation and not with other believers. And then we wonder why we're not hearing the voice of God. We need to train ourselves. Now, um, today, I want to teach you a word. I'm going to wrap up with this. I just want to teach you a word today. Uh, can you say this word with me? Just say Shema. Shema. There you go. You're speaking Hebrew. Can you believe it? Shema, right? It's this amazing word. And one of the places that we see it pop up is in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. It says, listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And it starts off this entire prayer that if you were Jewish, you would actually refer to as a Shema. They do it every day. And uh, Shema, and you're like, I didn't see Shema come up in that, that verse at all. Um, Shema is actually what we translate into listen, That's where we get Shema, but Shema is deeper than just, listen, it also comes up in Exodus chapter 19, verse five. It says, now, if you will, what? Obey me and what? Keep my commandment or fully obey. That's what that means. You will be my own special treasure from among all the peoples on earth for all the earth belongs to me. Part of the covenant God made with his people. I will be your God and you will be my people. And what I require from you is for you to shema. I want you to listen now. Here it says, obey me and keep my commandments. Same word there. And actually you could say it this way, um, shema, shema. That's what you would say. Shema literally means to obey and keep the commandment, to listen in such a way that it spurs on action. In Hebrew, if you were going to say, I will listen and I will obey, you would just say shema. That's what you would say. It means the same thing. Now, I know this because when my wife is trying to impart information to me and I'm watching sports... I don't do a very good job of retaining that information. I just don't. Why? Because I don't, I don't really listen to her. I'm like, okay, honey. Okay, babe. Yeah, whatever. All right. Yeah, you got it. That sounds good. I have no clue what she just said. Right? But if she comes to me and she says, hey, there's something very important I want you to do. All of a sudden, I'm turning the TV off because I'm like, oh, I don't want to mess this one up. Right? I'm Shema. Listen with the intent of obeying. Shema means more than just um, sound waves entering into your ear canals. It literally means listening in a way that you take it to heart. Why? Because uh, the information is important, yes, but also because the the person who is speaking to you is so important to you because you love them. It requires more than listening. It requires a response. This idea of Shema has a relational aspect to it. And that's what we see in the Old Testament all through the Old Testament. Every time God is like, here's what I want you to do. I want you to shema. I want you to listen to me. But listen to me in such a way, uh, because you love me and you know that that what I'm going to say to you is important for you. I want you to listen to where you take it to heart. That's shema. And and what I'm learning as I'm reading through the Old Testament is it comes up over and over and over and over again. And they fail and they fail and they fail. Why? Because they were not listening. Now, did they hear what God said? Yeah. Yeah. But were they Shema? No. No. It's why the prophets say so often, you have ears, but you did not listen. You did not hear. Did they hear it? Yeah, they heard it, but they didn't Shema. I believe that listening is the beginning of obedience. Do you know the voice of the shepherd? Because he is the gate. Jesus made it crystal clear in verse 9 and 10. He said, Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be what? Saved. Don't miss this, please. For those of you that are here and you have not received Christ yet, you need to know today that Jesus is the gate, He is the only way to salvation. They will come and go freely and they will find good pasture. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Let me just say it this way. Jesus is the gate for the capital letter S, salvation. Why? Because he is the only way to God. He is the only way to be saved. He is the only way for eternal salvation. But he's also the gate for the little lowercase salvation as well. He says, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. And so many people approach Jesus as the gate as though he's fire insurance. I just want to make sure that I don't spend eternity in hell. That's what I want. Uh, but he doesn't really affect my life here and now. And Jesus says, no, mm-mm. You come to me, I'm the true gate, to be saved, capital letter S, salvation, but also because I want to give you a rich and satisfying life, or as we read earlier, life abundantly or life to the fullest. You realize he has a plan for you here right now? You heard Gary and Jerry say that this morning. There's a purpose for you. god has got a plan for you. I love that in contrast to the thief that takes and and kills and steals and destroys, we have a God who gives us life and life abundantly, not just someday, but right here, right now. And so often, many times when we talk about this, uh, we're kind of like those little bitty kids that are playing in the backyard right there in the mud pit. And they're making those mud pies, and they're trading them, and yum, this is great, right? And they're playing, they're playing like these are really good pies. And all the while, their mom's inside the back door going, kids, come on in. I got, I got something for you. And she's got the real thing. She's got pie fresh out of the oven, ice cream set off to the side, ready to go. And they're like, no, we're having so much fun playing in the mud. We're going to stay out here, right? That's what we're like. No, I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to live my life the way I want to live it. And God is like, return, please, listen, Shema, come to me. And we're like, no, I'm going to do my own thing. So, what's it going to be this morning for you? How do you respond to the fact that Jesus is the gate? Do you believe that? Or do you believe that you have a better plan than he does for your life, than your creator God does? And I talk to so many people who struggle with this, and I don't know, maybe they're reading too much Google or whatever, but you know, they're like, I don't understand this, man. When Christians say that, that Jesus is the gate, like he's the only way, that seems so narrow-minded, it seems exclusive. I mean, who in the world made Jesus the only way? Who does he think he is? And I want to go, God, <laughs> Right? And we're laughing, but this is the world that we live in. And if that's you this morning, I don't want you to miss this. It's not narrow-minded and it's not exclusive. But I will tell you this, there is no other way to God. We're going to talk about that in a few weeks, okay? Um, It's not exclusive, it's loving. Instead of rejecting God as the only way, can I just challenge you to do this? Be thankful that there is a way. Because without Jesus, there would be no way to God. It's not exclusive, it's loving. It's because he loves you. Peter, after he held a crippled man, got, got pulled in front of the religious council, and they're grilling him about this. By whose power and authority do you do this? And I love the statement he made in Acts chapter 4:12. He says, There is no salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be what saved. Jesus is the gate. So let me ask you, what's it going to be? Will we choose to listen to Shema, to obey? Will we declare him as the I am? Will we declare him to be our God and that we are his people? Will you choose Jesus as your gate this morning. Now, for some of you, that means turning your life over to him for the very first time. Do not leave here today without doing that. If you've never done that and you don't know how, come see one of us. Anybody, talk to the person who brought you and invited you. Come see me. I would love to share with you how you can start this journey with Jesus. For some of you, it's gonna be, okay, I need to get serious about my faith. I need to surrender those areas I've been holding back on. Jesus is the gate.